0: life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to
1: supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com welcome to wannabe the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less I'm Imriel Morgan, the founder of Content is Queen, a podcast agency and club for ambitious podcasters with phenomenal taste, high expectations, and a desire to sound as good as I do now. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Wannabe's focus is to help you take consistent action to build a successful life and career in the creative and entertainment industry. Coming up are three phenomenal guests who are about to help you find out how to stop repelling the things that you want. Learn how to take your influences and create something unique and distinct and to help you discover why nobody can be left behind in the quest to build a just world. Today, I'm super excited to bring you Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Estelle. You probably know Estelle already, but I'm going to introduce her anyway. Estelle is one of the leading voices in Black British R&B. She became infamously known for her chart-topping song, American Boy, featuring Kanye West. But she's been knocking out huge hits, including 1980, Come Over and Free, to name a few. She's also the voice of Garner in the multi-award-winning Cartoon Network series, Steven Universe. The focus of this interview is to help you explore all of your talents and interests, the difference between apprehension and being scared, and how to use different influences to create unique and distinct work. Let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why?
2: Oh, I always wanted to be me. I just knew that I was going to sing. Not sure how. As I got older, it was like, oh, I should learn everything. My mum always said, hey, have backup as parents do. They're like, I just don't want you to, you know, art is art. And my dad was a drummer and, you know, she's operating off of her fears and what she'd seen. And I was always like... There's no B for me. I'm going to be this. (laughs) You know, my B is this. And she was very, you know, into like, hey, study, have something. So I was like, well, I'm going to study around the craft that I want to be in. So I studied journalism. I did like a GMVQ course in journalism and whatnot. And so I learned how to do all the things around what I'm doing now. Eventually Mm -hmm. became a journalist for two minutes. Uh, (laughs) A journalist for two minutes at a website, which was kind of ahead of its time. But, you know, I'm branding on target for what I've my life has become called Darker Than Blue. It was started and run by and funded by two black men. It was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And it went for about three, four years. It was really good. It was just highlighting black music across the board. And I nice. think about what we did then and, you know, how far ahead we were considering the okay players and all the different, you know, websites now that highlight pure black music and just mm. specify, suffi- you know, we were like ahead of the game. They really um they held it down. So shout out to them. And that was that was the beginning. But I was always singing the entire time. Always in
1: and around music, keeping it. You grew up with cultural influences of music from Senegal and the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you discovered hip hop? And how did your parents react as your musical interests in these areas gathered pace?
2: Oh, I was about seven, I want to say. Nice. Yeah, I was young. Um, I I thought everything music for me, everything music. We grow up in it. That was our thing. But my uncle would come home and he'd be break dancing and my mom and them would be like, this... Do because everything my uncle was out there. He's a little bit of a bad man. So <laughs> anything that he brought into the house, it was like, wait a minute, wait, wait now, hold on now. What's he, mm, what is this music he's bringing in? You know, like what is this thing he's doing? You know, and he wasn't on good terms with us in general, but the music was going. So my mom liked the ladies first and like Queen Latifah and Moni Love and that she was British. Oh, nice. And she liked the Wee Puppa Girl rappers and she liked them girls. And she was like, no, nah, they're like us. They're like from the hood. They're from, you know, they West Indian, <laughs> they African, they know our culture, they're us. So she didn't mind that. You know, of course, my fuss behind was into like Big Daddy Kane and like all of that. <laughs> trying to be too grown. But I loved it. I loved it all, like and you know. As we got older, my mom started to like it and appreciate it. And she was a cool mom because she was very young. Yeah, she wasn't like, no, you will never until we hit church. And then she was kind of like, eh, we do this now, <laughs> and you know, she would let us do it. I on knew the church slide. had to be
1: in there somewhere. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, 12, 12, 13 years old up. It was like, no, the gospel of Jesus, and that was it. And it just got wild for a good few years, but you know, you go to school, so that became Mm. our. We knew all the Jodees and the Whoever's from that, but you know, also I'm listening to Wham and Duran Duran and all of that too because British
1: pop music was such a a huge influence in my early Black British life. Yeah, I'm curious about your experience going over to America. So, actually, when you were coming up, you were really, really popular here. Like, Mm -hmm. you had hits i was like banging out some of them before the call today <laughs> but you had so many great songs that were doing so much for black british music specifically women in black oh. british music right so then you move to america and everyone's like proud of you and everything's picking up pace american boys coming out that's still sung to this day i don't <laughs> think there's not a soul on earth that doesn't know this song oh, so, so what was the difference or was there a difference and was america always on the cards for you
2: I think it became, after a while of going back and forth and I would be recording, had such good relationships, both sides of the pond. My friends were Mm. like, you're not going to be here much longer. You're going to go over, you're going to come back. But like, your husband's not here. I was like, first of all, (laughs) look at that. Mind, mind your business. Second of all, like, can I get my career going? Worry about a husband. I'm not worried about a husband right now. Mind your business. But it was just kind of ominous it was going to happen because it was such a strong connection and people really appreciate me here in the same way they appreciate me at home. So everyone was like, why not? Why not go and do it from that side out? You can. Yeah. You know? And I was like, at the time, and it was like kind of, I feel like it was a last period of time where you had to have gone here to do it instead of be like you know because it was like a cap as soon as you hit like your top yeah. 20s in the UK people were literally like you've done it now what more do you want and I was like everything I want to grab me I want the things what do you mean I'm exhausted <laughs> what the hell like I didn't just come this far to come this far and a lot of folks were very content with the idea that I was just gonna stop and then I was eventually gonna go on some show that was for washed up artists and, and then I was gonna be that girl that used to do the thing and I was just kind of like
1: What, like a love and hip hop?
2: Yeah, like the day's version of the love and hip hop, whatever it was, which would have Mm. been like maybe dancing with the stars or something, you know? And I was just like, no, (laughs) I have more to do. I have more albums to give and I have more songs to sing. I'm young. I was 27. I was like, how is that washed? Nah, I got things to do. And so I went and did them pretty much.
1: What was it like? So in the US, Mm. I guess a lot of Black British talent in general tend to go to the US and just have better more lucrative careers in general
2: i mean no tiny i mean i would say tiny tempers had a lucrative career um uh, <laughs> there's a few people jamie skipped in them they've had very lucrative careers like it, i don't think the money was the thing for me it was more about stamping our sound and who we were as people across mm. the world there's different versions of brits and black brits never really got that shot that punch right Marsha came and she did great work. She punched a a few walls out. And Natalie, they came and they punched a a good few walls out for us.
1: Marsha and Natalie. Yeah, from
2: Floetry. And it was kind of coming in the lineage. But before that, it was like soul to soul. And like, (laughs) that was 20 odd years ago, like 30 years ago. And they were like, we've never had nothing like you. And you really have the star power. I was openly embraced at the same time. It was also a version of me. Because most people, it was like, that's the Brits. That's the black people. That's her. She's the black people in the UK. And for some people, it was like, "Oh, this lovely version of what we think black people are in the UK. Cool, you can be that." And I was like, "Cool, whatever you, <laughs> however you want to do it, we, we're winning. So let's go. Like, city girls are up. Let's go. You know what I mean? Oh my God. <laughs> up, let's go." <laughs> but for me, it was just like it, it was a lot. My family wasn't with me. At, they wasn't physically with me. So yeah, they would support me so supportive you know like every time I come home or they come and visits and over the past 12 years I've been here but like they don't live here so it's a different rotation and most people are used to like you know like have your same management team from the first date I mean if they live in the UK and they're not trying to come here you have to change so I had yeah. to learn management here and how that hustle goes because it's all a hustle like there's a lot of moving parts everybody has their end to gain and so I had to learn a lot really quickly on my own and use common sense and my grounding and my good sense. Were you ever scared? Nah. You were never scared? No I've never been I've never been scared of anything Mm. I can't say that I've been scared I've been apprehensive I would say that always every time I get asked something or like thrust into something I kind of take a breath and survey it and be like, I'm still going to do it. I just want to say in my brain how I'm going to do it. Mm, and that's mm. that's the part that kind of, I think, shocks people. Because they're like, she's this little black girl. <laughs> and she's not supposed to have all this confidence or common sense. <laughs> and yeah, here I was out here like so. You know? With a lot of things and taking the lead in a lot of things. And being a boss where people weren't expecting young black girls, period. To take that yeah. much of a lead. And so... It was instinct, and it was my mum and watching the strong women in my family, and all they've been through, and saying to myself, "Oh yeah, no, I got it. this. is easy.
1: Yeah, it's easy.
2: <laughs> this, is this, it's easy. It's light work."
1: You know. Yeah, fair enough. It has been a phenomenal career. I'm actually really curious about your pivot or transition or where. Becoming Garnet from Steven Universe. <laughs> like, this is actually not on my question sheet. I just want to know because oh. I feel like that's just like such a sick pivot. Like, mm-hmm. it was so unexpected. I remember just being like, oh, I'm going to watch Steven Universe. And then I was just like, YouTube in some of the songs. And then I heard Here Comes a Thought. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I know wait, this <laughs> wait. I know this voice though. I know this voice. So I'm just really curious as to how, why you said yes. Mm -hmm. is it something you always envisaged doing like what was the thought process behind jumping into something like voice acting and doing steaming universe in particular
2: when i moved here a lot of homes were like your speaking voice is so particular you Mm. know when you're talking you can hear when you're speaking you have such a sense of authority and so i kept saying to my team okay so i want to do voiceover work get me a cartoon it was it was selfish because in my head i was gonna do Yeah, because to me, it was like cartoons and things like that. That's what I grew up on. But also, cartoons, voiceovers. People act in voiceovers, right? I was like, I just want my nieces and nephews to hear my voice because I'm not growing up with them. And my sisters were having kids and I wasn't. And I was like, well, I just wanted them to know that auntie exists, okay? Yeah. They come visit anytime they want. They come stay. And we're just having our whole time in my head about it. So I kept telling my team I want voiceover work. And they, they were half heart looking for it because it was like no you go act you go be this pop star singer on this show and I was just like if y'all don't get me a voiceover job please and so they (laughs) did but it came in on some like I don't know the money's not I was like don't worry about the money what's the character and they told me the character and I was like well I can relate at first the character was pitched like you know she's a big purple space alien and she takes care of these younger brothers and sisters that's the part that had me like because I have many there's nine of us I'm the oh, oldest. What? Girl.
3: Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Six <laughs> girls three boys And I related to it just on a personal level, like that stuff. And as a character grew, I would tell people, yeah, I do voice over my cartoon. And they'd be like, Yeah, all right. About four years into us having this show up, everybody lost their minds <laughs> about it. Like, <laughs> oh my god, Steven Universe, <gasps> and still no, we stand you. How did you how did we not know? And I was like, I posted this. <laughs> Hey guys, I've been talking about this for four years. <laughs> you know, where have you guys been? <laughs> where have you guys been? What the hell? But I'm just glad that people get it, understand it. Our team, Stephen Universe, understand exactly the point of it. I'm mm. grateful, man. It means something to so many people.
1: It does, you know? yeah, yeah. It's, pheno- it's a happy. phenomenal show.
2: Mm. Rebecca is incredible. To me, she's low key uh, 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 psychic. <laughs> She's sister, and she lets it channel through her I swear to goodness She doesn't write these out of thin air She must do a prayer of some sort And get the information Because it's like things were happening in my life That were bang on point with what was going on And I was like down yeah. to like the love stories And like the points Like how you love The way you love And I was just like yeah. Oh my god I'm going through this today And I would be bawling in the sessions in my, my inside And then we walk outside And go home and be like You know I read this And I think we need to talk. It
1: was love. It was a lot. It's a very profound um, show. I'm very happy to have had it in my life. I'm also really happy that I got to meet. Rebecca to be honest I was just like I was touched She's She's really dope I've always loved 1980 It's a great celebration Of growing up And figuring things out And of course The importance of family And friends In shaping your life What advice would you give From your own experiences About the importance Of family and community In shaping their future
2: If you have the opportunity To have If you are blessed And even if you are not blessed to have brothers and sisters but if you are blessed to have brothers and sisters and moms and dads or people who care for you or live in spaces where you have that one person if it's one person cherish that person cherish these people and make your own world because I have Mm. a strong belief in that like what you want you can have you have to believe it and live it in your like in your waking life you have to act like it's there you have to be so convinced of this and it literally appears so my thing was always, like, with my brother says, we were always a gang. We were always a team. Whether we liked each other or not, we walk outside. You're not talking <laughs> to my sister crazy. You're not coming at your yeah. mouth with, to my brother. We're about to fight. We're about to fight you as a team, you know? Cherish the people. I don't, I don't want you to, like, sit in trauma if you're in any, any bad situations. You just go through it because it still said cherish the people. Do what makes sense. Find somebody, call somebody.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. to get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: I started cooking when I was like seven, right? I was laugh about this. Like my mom would make me stand in the kitchen and peel onions and I hated them because I had to peel my nails. I also used to bite my nails. I think she did it as a ter- <laughs> deterrent to make me stop biting my nails. I was welcome to do specific things in my life because my family told me it was okay in their actions, yeah. first of all. Set me up like I'm teaching my friends now who are grown and don't really know certain things to cook or certain things to how to do it. And they'll come in the kitchen and learn how to cook for me. And it's almost like passing down that energy, that family energy. That's so sick. Yeah. You know, everything I rapped about in 1980 was about family. My entire family was in that video. I have nieces. I see my little sister in it and she's grown now. She has four kids. It's wild to see her as a child. She's now a whole entire adult and has kids things have changed and things have moved but like the thing that ke- that keeps me grounded is knowing that like look there are people around me there are things around me that will change will evolve but we have a bond so I say like mm. again if you're blessed to have someone around you that you love or that you can see and not even romantic that you love as a friend because it's not just a romantic love thing. you know it's true cherish them treat them properly Give love to them and they'll give it back to you and create our bond. That's how we grow as humans. That's all we got. So literally, this, this is what we have on this planet. You know, it's love. It's true.
1: Planet. I think, yeah, given the current climate as well, I think more and more people are coming to not only understand that, but also really appreciate the yeah. impact and the power that yeah. having a support network, not just family, but friends and yeah. people that you spend your time with. Your your
2: family you choose. Yeah,
1: you know? exactly. So I, I completely agree.
2: If that relates to you as family, that's fine. You know if the homie is the only one you can trust or like the, your friend from school him her whatever they is the only ones that you can they, man go with it just hmm. if they understand you in a way then that's fine
1: it's important it's, it's yeah, important it's very to stay important. close
2: we are important to each other
1: We'll return to Estelle in just a minute. I had to interrupt this message to introduce you to the baddest baby girl in the game. This is someone I regularly look up to and I am constantly inspired by and in awe of. Listen to every single word that she has to say.
0: Hi, I'm Kim Oliver, one half of the dynamic duo, the Triple Cripples. I'm, how would I describe myself, a black statuesque, disabled, African and Caribbean wheelchair-using goddess with a legion of ancestors on my side. So the other <laughs> creator of the Triple Cripples is Jamoke Abdullah, the wonderful Niger baby girl who is a fundamental part of this creation. Obviously, it's a 50-50 thing, but without Jamal Care, so much of Triple Cripples wouldn't make sense. It is both our perspectives combined that makes the Triple Cripples. And really, we created it because there's a lack of representation. And not that representation is the be-all and end-all, but that representation is a key part towards the path of radicalizing and changing the world, right? We disabled Black women, non-binary people, disabled Black femmes, like we don't exist for the most part in the media landscape. Jamal Care calls it a lacuna that exists within the media landscape. And it's true. And what does that mean? It affects our outcomes. It affects our understanding of self. It affects the way in which we envision what society could look like. It affects our healthcare, our social interactions, our relationships. It affects even how we move through the world physically in our physical bodies, right? And so it is imperative that we have fair and adequate representation so that you're making sure that people who are the most marginalized, who are the most disadvantaged, and you make the world one in which they can thrive, Guess what? Everybody thrives. We should be trying to envision a society in which everyone has equity, like in which there is equity, not where there are haves and have-nots. That is old, it's played out. We are trying to have revolutionary thought. And actually, our existence, Jumoke and I, our existence itself is challenging, it's revolutionary, because we are that which should not be seen. And so we are a protest, a living protest by being seen. So our tool is the media. And ourselves. And a book that has really kind of anchored my thoughts and my perspectives is by the wonderful and slightly controversial, in some senses, Bell Hooks, called Ain't I a Woman? And it just really contextualizes the experience of especially black women, black African women who were displaced, were abducted and removed from Africa and brought over to the Caribbean, South America, to England, to Europe, to um, um, North America. It contextualizes our experience. It contextualizes our interaction with self, and our communities, including those we refer to as men. There are some things in there, like every book, that you might disagree with, especially when it comes to black-on-black violence, which we have debunked, right? That is a book that I would recommend for everyone to read. It will If you say you're a feminist, if you, you say you're an abolitionist, if you say that you're pro-black, if you say that you're pro-woman, if you say that you're pro-planet, if you say that you're pro-anything um, that is positive, that is good, that is wonderful, it is important that you read that book. It's also on Audible, I think, so you can even listen to the audiobook, regardless of anything that's going on and wherever you are, and yeah, make sure that you are... Living and becoming and learning to be the best version of yourself, not just for yourself, but for the planet and everyone on it.
1: If you do nothing else today, I encourage you to follow the Triple Cripples on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Cripples. They are literally doing the work and your support is necessary. I am so serious. They are absolutely phenomenal humans. So do go and follow them right now. I mean it right now. Okay. Great. Now back to Estelle. What is your usual approach to when you make music, or do you have any specific practices that are unique
2: to yourself? I sit with words. I should say, like, I I like words a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really like words, right? I like like the kind out.
1: of person that reads a dictionary every day, or
2: no, that's wild. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> More there are like, people that do that. I know. it's, <laughs> and I've come across them and I'm just like, I'm not sure why you're doing this. I don't understand <laughs> it. But whatever works for you, float your boat, have, to have a good time. More in the sense of like, I love finding out when someone uses a new word around me, I will be in my phone, theosaurus and the shit out of it. Excuse my language. <laughs> theosaurus in it, or like, what does this mean? Or put it in context. It's not many words I don't know in general, but like every so often there'll be one word and I'm just like, so, yes. I like the idea of having many different ways of saying something. So there's a lot of like words and sounds always flowing around in my head, right? For so the first part is like the words. I always end up writing and of late my process has been a word will pop in or a melody or two lines will pop in and I'll write the melody in the lines, right? And then I'll hear a beat or I hear something or I'll just like start singing something. And adapt it to the words, singing the melody, and adapt the words, change the words around. Mm. My boyfriend loves me. He's always like, "What? What? You just gonna make up the words to this song to mean something else?" Yeah, this is. I'm a jukebox. That's what I do. Like it's, at this point, it's just like <laughs> I'm a jukebox. You don't have to get used to it, bro. I respond to him singing the words back to him in the melody he's never heard, and he'd be like, "What? Okay, sure." And so that's my process. I come up with words and melodies, and I like, will sing them into my phone. It'd be two lines. It'd be a line. And then when I go to the studio, I go on purpose, like I go in and I'm like, well, I I wanted to sing this kind of song, this kind of beat inspired by this. And this is what I'm singing about. Gone are the days when I'm just like, I'll come, whatever pops up. It doesn't work for me.
1: (laughs) You need like purpose and intention.
2: Purpose and intention is my thing. And it's worked so well, especially these last few years of recording. The genres for me have been on my days. I stay open to everything. I listen to everything. It'll be from Ethiopian music in the eighties.
1: <laughs> that is very specific, oh, as well. It's,
2: it's so, <laughs> like, it was so popping. I'm trying to tell you, they were so jamming. They was like, there was a little vibe. Like I'm trying to tell you, seventies, okay. eighties, Sudanese I'm have to music, seventies, eighties, Ethiopian. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's lit. You know, all the way over to like opera or jazz and obviously hip hop of all kinds and R&B of all kinds, pop music of all kinds.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I listen to people who will yodel in their records and be like, "Yo, this is... I'm dead." Right. <laughs> that your reaction to me is the, is the same I have, but I listen to it. You know, like this is, <laughs> this is wild what was the plan here why would you think about yodeling oh you know that's jokes but like it sounds good so I guess we're yodeling like it's fun oh fair enough yeah and then I want to go down the rabbit hole and be like where did they get that melody from because I know I heard that somewhere Hold on, I got to go find a yodel song that they found yeah so I stay open to all the genres and I literally had just finished a panel the other day talking to there's an anthology series coming up called Small Lights by Steve McQueen and he's oh, taken nice. instances of British life in the early 80s I guess and he's putting them on the screen they're like hour long two hours I think and it's coming on BBC but they do a whole episode called Lovers Rock and I made my album called Lovers Rock and I was just like this is everything oh my <laughs> days. I see my mum and my aunties and my dad and his brothers and all of them in this film I had a whole time yeah. because this I was born in 1980 Lovers rock was made in like 1978 77 and Mm -hmm. and it spanned the entire 80s and so that's my life i remember the basement parties the blues parties and we had a few (laughs) and my stepdad (laughs) was a dj so him and his friend martin used to it's, it's all kinds of like memories so like all of that's in me and this is why i say like with the music like you know you said like i was in the pub and i'm just like so was i you know like we were all yeah. everything across the board and that's what made genres like lovers rock so distinctly british and that's why i can do it you
1: know that's true my dad is a rasta and he See? loves him some lovers rock mm. my god every time we went to his house on the weekend
2: janet Kaye, B. 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 McLean. B. McLean, all of it yeah
1: Mate, She's to this like, day, I was actually busting some Bitty McLean in my house the other day. Like, what is happening to me? Because I used You're to beg my parent. dad to shut it off.
2: Nah, you become your parent. Just give into it. It
1: is what it is. I know. I have to lean in. I have to. <laughs> he even took us out one night. We were like under the age of 18 for sure. And he's yeah. like, Bitty McLean is in town. I'm coming. Come. We're going. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. all going. I'm taking you. And we're like, okay. She said,
2: that's the gang. That's, that's, that's the baby <laughs> thing. And he'd be like, bro. I know.
1: Mm -hmm. it's really like that thank you so much this is awesome i'm just super excited to have met you
2: to also get
1: to speak to you and just to hear your great wisdom thank
2: you this is an incredible podcast thank you
1: do you know how hard it was for me to stay cool estelle is iconic to me so to sit down and talk to her about music that literally was the soundtrack to my teenage years is so wild she is everything you can catch estelle on twitter and instagram at estelle she also hosts the estelle show on apple music so check it out before we wrap up i've brought back yersa daily ward the author of bone and the terrible yersa's advice is food for thought especially right now take it away yersa
3: the worst advice and the best advice have been almost the same advice. And I'll tell you how it like, I, I broke it down. Like the, the worst advice w- was to like, keep pushing, keep pushing, work hard, work hard, work hard. It actually was because what you can do is you can repel the goal by trying to force things if money is what you want it could be like I want money I don't have money how can I get money and it becomes something that you that that starts to move away from you because you're always actually focused on the lack I used to be an actor and I used to chase it so much I used to send my headshot everywhere like do everything you know and then I'd get into the audition do the audition, okay, and like I'd always get into the, the last few people, but never get it. Yeah, and I was like, why is it? Because I want it so much. Um, so that was bad advice because when the goal isn't isn't specific, yeah, and and it's too much. There's too much resistance and like and like almost n- non believing that you can really get it about it. You're going to repel it. Now th- on the flip side of that working diligently rather than hard is mm-hmm. really good advice so even if you just do an hour a day of writing it's better than like trying to do going I've got it. Sh- I should be doing like six hours but I'm not and then you actually sit there but nothing comes yeah just doing doing less but just checking in with it and enjoying it you know so consistency has been my best advice the consistency is key but just working hard for the sake of working hard is not like working smart as they say Yeah. You know?
1: That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the end. I hope this half an hour has been a calming and joyful part of your day. I'd like to encourage you to think about one person who needs a little joy and calm and share this episode with them right now. If you want extended interviews, then please do screenshot the episode you're listening to right now and share it to your Instagram stories and tag at content is Queen. HQ. Until next time, bye! This is a Content is Queen production, hosted by me, Imrielle Morgan. Edited by Amber Miller and Joseph Perry. Sound design by Amber Miller. Music and sound effects are from
2: Epidemic Sound. See?